Welcome to Faked, an original podcast highlighting the underground world of counterfeit illegal items around the world and how to spot them. Whether you're traveling the world or buying online, Faked will be your guide. With your host, Joseph Rowan, you'll explore the many ways counterfeiters can pull off disguising everyday consumer items as the genuine good. Wow, this is an amazing stand you've got here. You've got every cologne in the book you've got. You've got some D&G, you've got uh, Aventus. Oh my goodness. Uh, $30? $30 for one. That, I don't know if I'm going to be able to uh, to pass that deal up. And you're saying all this stuff's genuine, right? I mean, the wrapping looks, looks really genuine. Yeah, why does it smell like cat pee? Unrelated? Okay. Well, I mean, you sound like a good businessman. Okay. What about two for two for fifty? Could I grab two for fifty? Okay. Anything? Anything off these racks? All right. Well, this is great. I mean, this is the deal of the day. Okay. How bad can these be? How bad can they be? Well, thank you very much. Okay. I will see you later. Welcome to episode five of Faked. As you can tell from that beautifully executed skit, we will be talking about fake cologne and fake perfume and how to determine its authenticity, okay? So to start off, we always like to go through kind of the history of the product um, so you can determine for yourself um, how that ties into the genuinity of the actual product you're going to be purchasing. There's a lot of a cool history with perfume uh, or just products in general that does tie in to today's genuinity of a product. So let's start off way back in the day. The ancient Egyptians were the first to incorporate perfume into their cultures. So they were followed by the ancient Chinese, Hindus, Israelites, Carthaginians, Arabs, Greeks, and Romans. So everybody kind of got a piece of the scent pie back then. Uh, and we'll just, you know, we'll go more into why they did. I think there was a really cool use for perfumes and embodiment and, you know, just preserving things using great scents because there were a lot of bad scents back then and they needed to cover it up. Okay. The oldest perfumes ever found were discovered by archaeologists in Cyprus. They're, uh, they, I guess they were more than 4,000 years old, which is pretty old by today's standard. <laughs> a cuneiform tablet from Mesopotamia dating back more than 3,000 years identified a woman named Taputi as the first recorded perfume maker. But perfumes could also be found in India at the time. However, this kind of personifies it, you know, puts a name to it, a really cool name. So Taputi, which I feel like would be a really good perfume name, Taputi. So anybody who's going to start that, just kind of, you know, send me an email and split it. Okay, I came up with that. That's me. <laughs> um, the earliest use of the perfume bottles uh, is Egyptian and dates to around eight or 1000 BCE. Okay, the Egyptians invented glass and perfume bottles and they were the kind of the first common uses for glass. So that's kind of cool. Is dating back, looking at like when glass started and why it was used, perfume. So maybe some people thought it was beer. No, it was perfume. So Persians and Arab chemists helped codify the production of perfume, and then it kind of spread throughout the world um, of classical antiquity. 
so as you can look back in the day, or if you go to any antique mart, you see these old perfume bottles, green glass, all these different glasses with a bunch of imperfections in them. It's pretty cool. Uh, a, there, there's a huge market for old uh, perfume and cologne glasses. So if you ever do see any, you know, snatch them up. I'm sure there's some money on your hands there. Okay, the rise of Christianity, however, saw a decline in the use of perfume uh, for much of the Dark Ages. It was the Muslim world that kept the traditions of perfume alive during this time and helped trigger its revival with the onset of international trade. So through trade and um, and India pushing it forward, being important and everything, it really bumped up perfumeries and just the commodity of it overall and you know people are getting food for it beans all this trade was ridiculous back then that's a whole different you know podcast not not for me but a a much much more historical podcast setting i guess okay the 16th century saw the popularity of perfume explode in france so we do get a lot of the um origins of today's perfume and cologne from france so that's why we can't pronounce most of them but uh, they all seem so fancy, okay? Especially among the upper classes and nobles. So this was not, you know, this was not something a lower class citizen was going to have. This was for people with them francs. And I think uh, I think francs is what France used. But uh, yeah, I guess you can write me an email if I'm wrong. With help from the perfume court, so they had her, a real official court, uh, you know, overseeing all of the perfume. The court of Louis, uh, one of the Louis back then. There's so many Louis. Uh, everything got perfumed. So furniture, gloves, and other clothing all got perfumed. It was all pre-perfumed. So that had to be some really good stuff for it to even stand because most of most of the time today, you know, when you put cologne or perfume on, you're you're done by like let's say, you know, uh, two p.m. Okay, you've already lost its scent. So that's actually something we're going to go into it as well. Uh, the integrity of your perfume or cologne. Okay, the 18th century invention of Eau de Cologne helped the perfume industry continue to grow. So in order to know the fake versus the real cologne or perfume, you need to know the different types because there are different types. Uh, so we know the history now. So Eau Fraiche, I Think I'm, I think that's pretty accurate. Uh, that's the most diluted version of fragrance, usually with a 1% to 3% perfume oil in alcohol and water. Usually lasts for less than an hour. So if you're going out uh, one night and, and you don't want to go to sleep with the particular scent on, you can use a eau fraiche. Okay, So cologne or eau de cologne, is the oldest term for perfume used in North America for masculine-related scents. Light, fresh, and fruity, typically composed of 2 to 4% perfume oils in alcohol and water. Tends to be used in fragrances for younger people. Usually lasts for about two hours. So that you know shows you that some of the cologne that you do buy actually is intended to only last two hours because it is supposed to be a temporary thing. So... Eau de toilette, a le- or toilet, I guess is what um, it would be spelled as. I was 
trying to do my uh, my French impression there. A light spray composition with 5 to 15% pure perfume essence dissolved in alcohol. Usually lasts for about three hours. So that's that's a really good, I think that's a great time frame. You know, you're out, three hours is pretty, is pretty spot on. When you're out and about, three hours is great. You want it to smell. Uh, and then on your way home, it kind of, you know, leaves your presence. So perfume, uh, eau de parfum, historically genderless, used to describe both men's and women's fragrances. The best term used to describe a fragrance. Okay, and this is why everybody can assess perfume. Perfume, however, does take on that female connotation. However, it does not hold a gender. Okay? Contains 15 to 20% per perfume, pure perfume essence and lasts for about five to eight hours. That is a true like day uh, essence or scent. That's a, that is a true day right there. You know, that's the energizer bunny of scents. And lastly, perfume. A corruption of the Latin phrase perfumum or through smoke. The most concentrated and expensive of all fragrance options. Slightly oiler, perfume or parfum is composed of 20 to 30% pure perfume essence. A single application of true perfume can last up to 24 hours. So that's kind of the best bang for your buck. However, what do you want to smell like for 24 hours? That's like a tattoo for the day. I mean, holy God. That's a lot of hours to smell like a particular thing because sometimes throughout the day, I'm a huge cologne guy. This one actually hits home. I've got like at least 200 different colognes in my room, okay? My wife hates me because of it. But I've got, you know, I've got them all up in the noggin. So when I do go out, I actually know which one I want to throw on. And then I actually, when I come home from work, I know I want to put on a different one or I actually am one of those weirdos that like to wear cologne as I go to sleep. I know, it's weird. Okay, now that we understand what perfume and what cologne is and the history behind it, let's get into the fun stuff. Let's get into how we can determine, let's say you bought mm, something online, okay? This is the first uh, way for you to purchase cologne and perfume. I think it's the most dangerous way because you are getting something that you end up having to use and then they can say, well, I don't want you to return this because you used it already. Okay. And first of all, first of all, okay, this, this, you know, transcends this episode. This goes to every single episode. If it's too good of a price, then it probably is. If you see, and I have seen this, a $59 Aventus Creed that is the cologne of the princes. The prince wears Aventus Creed, okay? Multiple princes. You think they're dropping $59 for theirs? No, those are like $350 up to $800, sometimes $1,000, like depending on the size of the bottle, uh, the rarity, but sometimes the color of it. Like it is, it's crazy, okay? So, Above all, that is number one. If the price is too good to be true, then it probably is. Number two, we're going to jump in. Look at the code and cross-reference it. Okay, checkcosmetic.com is a pretty good reference guide to it. However, those can those stickers at the bottom can actually be reproduced. So 
I don't want it to be a last line of defense. I want uh, to be able to check it for sure, just to verify that it, you know, somebody either went and put in some extra work into this, or it might be legit. Maybe there is some um, something in that reference guide that's going to show you like, oh, the cap was green this year and no other year had that. So you're going to be able to see that and say, wow, okay, this is legit. Everything else kind of checked out. That was my last thing. So uh, thirdly, check the atomizer. So I have uh, been guilty of purchasing fake cologne and, it, and I did it. Uh, on Canal Street because Puma stopped making my favorite cologne. And, you know, I was just having some fun, went over there and just checking to see if they had it. And they did. They had the cologne and it smelled so good and perfect. Um, I actually still have it today, but, you know, finding more out about fake cologne, I don't really like to wear it. I like to have it, but I don't like to wear it because there is some true dangers. So check the atomizer. Um, Check the crimping around the glass on top because most of these bottles, uh, they either have been dumped and then put into smaller uh, atomizers, I guess, is the actual glass too. Um, Smaller ones and then sold off at a higher rate per like half ounce or quarter ounce or something like that. And then they just reuse the bottle with the fake stuff. So check the crimping. It should be perfect. It should be flawless. Most of these companies put a lot of their money into their actual packaging. So you want to make sure that packaging is beautiful. If it's not, then it's fake. Okay, so that's really important. Next up, for continuity, make sure the cap, bottle, and color all match properly. Look online. Uh, There are plenty of special editions. Check it out. Okay, if there's a red cap, black bottle, and weird white font, yet the original of that is something completely different i think you got a fake on your hands so check the continuity always check that yeah make sure that you know everything else is good everything is matched together perfectly okay number five font wording quality any errors generally means it's a fake uh like double font sometimes they'll since they quickly throw the font on there maybe uh There'll be some overlap. It'll look kind of um, like the opacity on one of them is a little less. So check that out. Make sure it's in the correct language. You know, sometimes they won't throw an accent over something and you'll say, gotcha, this is fake, but it's already in my possession. So there's, you know, most of the time you're you're not going to be able to return this stuff. So it is good to maybe at the store, uh, usually a reputable store, they're not going to sell fake stuff. But, you know, if you're meeting up with somebody uh, Facebook marketplace or something like that. Examine it before you buy it. Don't be embarrassed. Okay. Just examine it and call them out on it because you know, they're doing a bad thing. It's illegal. So next up bottle quality, thick glass, good metal, great box, great wrapping. You got to look at all that stuff. All that stuff's going to be flawless. The glass is going to be thick because if that, uh, liquid in there's $400 worth of liquid, and the only line of defense to keep that in there is the glass, it's going to be some good glass. It's not going to be your thin glass. Uh, good metal, uh, you know, give it a scratch. Give it a scratch. If it if it gives up some of its paint or if it's powder coating or whatever, it, it's probably fake because it's going to be a very cheap alternative to whatever it was made of beforehand. So, yeah, check it out. So, 
ultimately these people are trying to trick you. They're deliberately deceptive. So you may be thinking, you know what? This isn't that bad. You know, if I'm buying this, it's whatever. You know, maybe they're just, you know, they're selling it because they they had something that was close to it. No, they are trying to trick you. There is an alternative market and it's called impressions, okay? That is not illegal. Um, however, you're going to get a subpar quality thing and it'll it'll have a whole different name on it and it'll say our impression of this. You'll see those at Gabe's. You'll see those at like um, uh, kind of wholesale providers and things like that. I think uh, Big Lots and things like that sells that. So that's not illegal. They can sell it. It's just not going to get, it's going to be an inferior product. Okay, this is the this is the most important one, and this is actually why I don't spray uh, some of my fake cologne that I do have, it, because sometimes it can con- contain cyanide. It can contain human excrement. There has been uh, instances linked to semen involvement. So, is I mean, strange byproducts. Just they can put anything in there to you know make it smell better or make it you know uh, pheromones. It, it just weird things. So always be looking out. You know, it, it, is it worth it? Is it worth, you know, being sprayed on cyanide, which is deadly, and human excrement, which is gross, and then other byproducts that can cause you to grow hair in unwanted places or something like that? I don't know. So next up, okay, inferior products just don't last long. That's just across the board. Okay, cologne, uh, a toy, a computer, whatever, you know, fake iPhone, whatever. It just does not last as long. So you're buying an inferior product. It's not going to last as long. You're better off spending the money. Go get it. Okay. This, uh, this is kind of more of a mm, superficial, I guess, reason, but, uh, I think it's a reason for some people changes, changes people's perception of you. So if, if you do come up, you, you come to work one day saying I'm wearing $1 million, which if you know any cologne, uh, there's a cologne called one million. However, the fake one's going to be called maybe one million dollars or something like that. So, so it does change somebody's perception of you. You know, if if you pride yourself as being a stylish person and yet you're you know spouting off fake alternatives to thing or like a Gucci belt instead of a Gucci belt, so it's just it's a perception thing. You know, it may not be a, a final nail in the coffin for you, but if you do, you know, respect people's opinions about you. This is going to be one of those things that's going to help. Okay. It also feels an industry that ruins creativity and ingenuity and rewards people ripping off people. That That's another thing that kind of flies a, across the board here is it takes two to three years to develop one of these scents. And there are so many people involved with that. That process is lengthy. That process is very involved. So all that work went for nothing because now somebody reverse engineered it and can throw it on the market for a fraction of the cost, which is ridiculous. Uh, so, you know, from that perspective, more of a uh, an ethical perspective, you could really, you know, be bombing it for that. I don't think, uh, I think that's a really big thing to me is just people's hard work for creativity is huge. And we want people to continue to do that. And if that's being stripped from them, then it's, it's not worth it for them. You know, it's not worth it if they can honestly go to that side of the market and just sell, you know, sub subpar quality products for 20 bucks in mass amounts. So the right people are really getting screwed on that one. And I think the wrong people are being rewarded. And last, uh, it is illegal. Okay. There was an instance of where somebody was raided, uh, 
of their 500 bottles of fake cologne and, and probably perfume sprinkled in there as well from a guy who sold stuff via Facebook Marketplace. So again, crime doesn't pay. Ultimately, you know, he may have made, you know, some money and he, you know, he thought he was going to get away with it and thought it was a, uh, you know, a victimless, victimless crime, but it, you know, it ended up, you know, biting him into the butt. So, um, uh, that's kind of most, most of the, without, you know, you being here and actually smelling the differences between a fake and, you know, real blend, because they are really, they're really good. Like, um, I do have a fake, uh, Chromazar I bought when I was like, uh, junior high. First time we went to New York city, of course, you know, that's a cool thing to do. So that, I actually went out and bought, actually my wife bought me a very large bottle of it, the real stuff. And there is a noticeable difference. Uh, absolutely noticeable. Um, it's just crisper. It stays on much longer. And um, you can just tell it. And it has the the good quality uh, oils in it that, may, that gives it its actual stuff. Another thing, actually, this is something I totally remembered later. Uh, the fake stuff can actually, you know, you know how most of the time you want to throw it on your clothes can actually contain uh, dye that can ruin your clothing. Okay. There's like a parts per million when you have to, you know, uh, put color into your cologne. And if that formula is off that red, you know, that maybe that pink faint cologne can suddenly turn into, you know, pink faint expensive shirt you have. So got to be watching out for that too. So we're going to jump into the expensive, most some of the most expensive colognes on the market, just so you can familiarize yourself with some of the really expensive ones. There are plenty, and um, they're all really similarly priced, so I'm just, I just did the top 10. I will give you some, like Aventus is huge, Creed, huge. Those are really expensive ones um, that people are going to fake. That's actually where the money is mostly. I don't think they're going to fake most of the time, like a $20, $30 bottle of cologne. I think they're going to be doing these high-end ones. So uh, this Beyond Love by Killian is $141 per ounce. Uh, you can tell that's going to get expensive. You buy a 12-ounce bottle, that is well into the thousands. So uh, number two, Tom Ford Private Blend Tobacco Vanille. So Tom Ford, that is crim. Okay, I have a couple Tom Fords. Absolutely love them. Some of the best cologne on the market. So that's 147 per ounce. Uh, another Tom Ford, also 174. That is the Champaka Absolute. Absolutely amazing. Um, Tom Ford Private Blend Oud Wood Pardon by um, is $149 per ounce. So it's a little more expensive. Uh, next emerging market there is Clive Christian huge, um, actually more expensive than Tom. And I think more expensive than Creed, definitely more expensive than Creed. Yeah. So these are going from, uh, so Clive Christian, 1872, 164 per ounce. Clive Christian C for men, 210 per ounce. Clive Christian X, 212 per ounce. And then we jump into Nazomato Black Afgato, uh, is $234 per ounce. And then the most expensive that I could find was Clive Christian number one spray. That's the OG Christian uh, Clive cologne. That's $421 per ounce. So that would be worth, you know, that would be in high sight. They would have their grubby little paws all over Clive Christian to recreate it. Okay. So guys, um, 
I wish I could like spray out some of this stuff so you guys can smell it. Maybe in smell of vision in a couple years, we'll have that. I'll recreate the episode. But however, for now, that's it for the episode. I hope you guys learned a lot from this one. This one is a good one because a lot of people think that buying fake cologne does not hurt people or yourself. Like it's a victimless crime. However, it very much is. So be wary, okay? Next time you're out, Chinatown, or if you're just viewing online, if you're just looking up, how can I get something for, you know, cheap? I want a cheap, 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 cheap thing. Um, just rethinking, you know, go over this again, you know, uh, the, there's some real consequences to this. So remember guys with faked items, there are those who produce them, those who purchase them and those that listen to this podcast. I'll see you guys in the next episode, all right?